ഹമ്മ <tries> ഗസ്സാ in Palestine and it's something close to every mu'min almost every masjid every week for the last two months every khatib has been discussing the same issue but while we immersed in this issue we can't forget other very important issues as well which we have to take cognizance of as a ummah yes this is at the heart of our concern right now and if it's not at the heart of our concern then there is a question mark on our iman and the level of iman that we possess if what has happened in gaza hasn't changed our life in some way or the other then it's very serious and it's time for serious reflection and introspection but before we go into gaza our topic proper is that regarding our children and the tarbiya of our children and how we can relate it to what is happening in gaza by the way a person sent me a message that he is no more attending the juma salat he is not attending any juma salat because the masjid he went to 
the Khatib did not speak about Gaza. He says, what kind of a Khatib is that? He hasn't spoken or mentioned Gaza. So he says, I'm not going for Salatul Jummah. What stupid logic is that? Yes, if the Khatib didn't speak about Gaza, there are other pertinent issues facing us daily in this country and globally, which we also have to mention. And especially in our country and many parts of the world, the summer holidays have commenced today with the closure of schools. While we know the children stopped going to school a few days before the official closure of schools, but today officially the schools in South Africa have closed for the summer vacation and they will open next year only after about a five-week holiday, average of five weeks of holiday. Now, the importance of the tarbiyah of our children cannot be overstated. Unfortunately, many of us, we are guilty of not making the proper tarbiyah and the tarbiyat of our children. If you look at the word tarbiyah, where does it come from? From the word Rabb. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Rabb, our nourisher, our sustainer, our cherisher. There's no English equivalent word for the word Rabb in Arabic. Rabbi, oh my Rabb. How we say, we translate it loosely as oh my Lord. But it's actually Rabb is something far beyond that. Rabb is a being who nourishes us, sustains us, cherishes us, takes care of us, provides for us. So the word tarbiyah comes from this word. And the importance of tarbiyah of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, it rests upon us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Majid, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu anfusakum wa ahlikum that, oh, you who believe, oh, you who believe, save yourself and save your families from the fire of Jahannam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains the fuel of Jahannam, that it is man, stones, that's the fuel of Jahannam. But the first part of the ayat, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, save yourself. First you save yourself and then you save your families, your wife, your children, your parents, all your subordinates, save them from the fire of Jahannam. That's the ultimate purpose of our life. While our whole focus at this time of the year comes on the metric results that will be released shortly in the, in the opening weeks of January, our whole focus comes onto the metric results. And a lot of emphasis is put on the schooling of our children. Twelve long years of schooling culminating in the awarding of one certificate whether a person is matriculated or hasn't matriculated. Our whole emphasis on our children is this, that how do we secure an education for them? How do we secure them in this world? How do we secure them from some worldly perspective where they can fend for themselves? Yes, it's a very valid concern. It's a very valid concern. Our Akabirin have always advised that we must prosper in every field, every sphere of life that our youth need to enter into every sphere of life, in everything we do, we must be the best as Muslims. We must be the best engineers, architects, doctors, accountants. We must be the best in everything. That's something that we, Islam hasn't stopped us. But more important than that is the correct Islamic tarbiyah of a child. That's more important. That overrides everything. What's the point that our child has achieved seven or six A's or whatever it is, all A symbols, but as Mawlana Yunus Patel rahimahullah, once he commented, he says, Alhamdulillah, he, I heard it from him directly, that our Muslim schools, mashallah, they have excelled. So many A's they have produced, and he was happy about it, that they have excelled, alhamdulillah. But how many A's in akhlaq did we achieve? This was the question he asked. 
How many A's in akhlaq did we achieve? And if we go to see that this is one thing that's lacking in our community, that we fail to make the tarbiyah of our children in terms of akhlaq, in terms of understanding what is expected of them, what is the necessary akhlaq to live in a society. We can give simple examples and that there is no effort being made on the akhlaq of our children. Sending them to a Muslim school and a bit of smattering of madrasa in the afternoon here or there. It's neither here or, near or there. If there's, a, if there's some sports coaching, then the madrasa is the first casualty. We all know it. We all know it. We have first-hand first experience of this. If the least importance is paid on Islamic education. The least. We soothe our conscience by sending them to Muslims. There are no Islamic schools. It's a pie in the sky. There are no such things as Islamic schools. Yes, you get Muslim people who go to a Muslim school. That we can say, that there are Muslim schools, but no Islamic schools. So, we place the least importance on Islamic education. Then we further soothe our conscience by sending them to become hafaz. And I'm again quoting Mulan Yunus Patil Rahmatullah He said, we must stop encouraging this now. He says that we put them on, this, on the member to recite the last ayat, and then they graduate as hafaz and we turban them, and then we, we were so proud of them, and he says, see a few years later what they look like. They don't even look like Muslims. Leave alone hafaz. They do not even look like Muslims. Qari Ayyub Isaac Ustad, he mentioned that there are some students who became hafaz. You can't recognize whether they're Muslim or not Muslim. Earring uh, on one ear, no stud there. He says you can't even recognize that they are Muslims. Leave alone hafaz. So Mawlana Yunus Batir Rahmatullah he advised, stop having these jalsas, hips jalsas. This was his advice, he passed away over 10 years ago. He said, what are we really achieving? We want those quality hafaz. The father and mother feel, if they have made the child a hafiz of the Quran, okay, we've earned our jannah. It's not like that. It's not as simple as that. If he makes halal what is halal in the Qur'an, he makes haram what is haram in the Qur'an, then he will enter Jannah and he will be a means of family members entering Jannah on account of him, on wajabat lahu nar, on whom Jahannam has become wajib. That's the kind of hafiz. The, the hafaz that we produced, the few and the few and far between, but the quality hafaz, that's what's required. I came up with something very shocking that some hafaz, and this is not a fairy tale. They said if they perform taraweeh, not obviously not in this masjid, but in some other venues, that if they don't smoke marijuana, they can't go into the musalla. They need to smoke that to go to the musalla to read the taraweeh. How shocking is that? That you do one haram to go do one ibadah. So this is the condition. So the tarbiyah of our children cannot be overemphasized. And the tarbiyah of the children cannot be outsourced. It's a contact spot. It has to be done by us personally. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if we look in the seerah, his example, that how those adopted children of his, the Ummahatul Mu'mineen who he married, Ummi Salima radiallahu ta'ala anha, Sauda radiallahu ta'ala anha, when they brought their children into his home, into the home of Nubuwat, when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, personally his adopted children, 
how he taught them, how he made the tarbiyah. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he lived with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for over nine years as a khadim and nabi, as a young boy. At the age of nine, he was sent to live with the nabi of Allah to make the khidmat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His mother made him qurban. His qurbani was made in the sense that he was given away to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the nabi of Allah, how he made the tarbiyat of the child. From elementary, how to eat on a dastakhan, how to eat on a tablecloth, the method of eating, where to put your hands, the tarbiyah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is what we need to do. We need to do it ourselves. Nobody's going to do it for us. Our children, nobody's going to make the tarbiyah except ourselves. We have to teach them from A to Z. We have to teach them each and every aspect of life, from the most elementary to, to complex issues. We have to teach them and make the tarbiyah. This is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Mulana Masihullah Khan, Jalalabadi rahimahullah, wa murshid. He came to our country, alhamdulillah, on three occasions. So, he used to say that there's three very important things we have to teach our children. Boys and girls, boys and girls. Three very important things we have to teach them. Number one, we have to teach them the deen. To secure our children, the akhirat, we have to teach them the deen. The deen in encompasses Tilawatul Qur'an in every aspect of our deen, the, <coughs> the fiqhi rules of our deen, basic rules of tahara, istinja, all that in, encompasses all that. So we have the first thing we have to teach our children is the deen. <coughs> the second thing he said is that we have to teach our children a trade or a profession. Now we have taken this to such a level, teaching our children trades or professions, Yes, our males, it's necessary that we, we, we empower them with necessary trades, professions, like I mentioned earlier on. But our females, we have taken it to another level. We have exceeded the bounds of Sharia. We have put them in the dens of vice. And then we want to make dua that Ya Allah protect them. Again, I'm going to quote Manana Yunus Patel Rahimullah. I've quoted him twice already, and the third time I'm going to quote him. He says, a man came to me and he says, Mulana, make dua for my daughter. She's going to university. Make dua, you know, Allah protects her. So he's saying, he's telling me, it's, 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 he gave an example like jumping into the pool and not getting wet, going into the rain and not getting wet. You're going to put her into an environment like that. It's going to backfire. Those are not environments for our daughters. The environment of our, of our daughters is that we have to prepare them to become mothers. Before they become mothers, prepare them to become daughters. Make them daughters. Make them wives, prepare them, make the tarbiyah to become wives. Homemakers, prepare them to become homemakers. Prepare them to become mothers. Prepare them to become grandmothers. Prepare them to become ministers of home affairs. That's what we need to emphasize. And we look at the paradigm shift in our community in the last few decades. Many of those homemakers are not in the home. One child, his mother was a professor. She is a professor in a university, Muslim lady. He says that when I get married, I will never want my wife to work. I will never. He loathed this. What was the reason? He says because all my friends, when they go home, they go to the, the warm embrace of their mothers. They go to food that is ready for them to consume, food that is ready to eat. They go to a happy home environment. That's how Islam wants it to be. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Jihadukun baytukun. He told the woman that your jihad is your home, is your house. That's your jihad. To raise a society. That's the first university of a child. So how much of tarbiyat has been placed, how much of importance has been placed on the tarbiyah of a child?
that even before the child comes in the world, the tarbiyah starts. Even prior to the birth of the child, the tarbiyah starts. Where does the tarbiyah starts? The consumption of halal. The consumption of halal. It has a profound effect and the child is going to be born. Abdullah bin Mubarak rahimahullah. His father, Mubarak rahmatullah alayhi, was a person who used to work in the government. He used to work in the governor, for the governor. And the governor proposed to him to marry his daughter, a very wealthy man in government employment. And we know governments, they collect exorbitant taxes, oppressive taxes, etc. So when the nikah of Mubarak rahmatullah was made with his wife, for 40 days, he never went towards his wife. He never consummated the marriage for 40 days because he wanted her system to be flushed off the diet of her father. And after 40 days only, he made a rosa of 40 days. And after 40 days, he consummated that marriage. And of that marriage, Abdullah bin Mubarak, rahimahullah, was born. You ask any alim, Abdullah bin Mubarak, when you hear that name, something happens to you. Muhaddith of note, Abdullah, today his name is taken throughout the globe. Abdullah bin Mubarak, rahimahullah. But what was it? It was that halal income, that halal source. When is the food is halal? That's one aspect, it's got a halal stamp, the food is halal. One is the source of the funds that food was bought with. That is the source of funds must be halal. And if a person consumes haram, then for generations it will have an effect on his progeny, for generations to come, when haram intake is taken. So, this is the impossible, the tarbiyah of the child is born prior to the child coming to the world. And when the child is in the womb of the mother, then even the mother, the, the thoughts the mother has, has an effect on the child. The thoughts of a mother. The tarbiyah of a child is made from the time the child is in the womb of the mother. And we know when the child is born, <clears throat> some important aspects of our deen. That the moment the child is born, we give the message to the child on the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the tawheed of Allah. Immediately, we give the adhan and the iqamah into the child's ears. Why? That now the time for your janazah has read. One is that, one is that, we are giving you the message of deen. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Every child is born on the natural fitra and the way of Islam. Every child is born on that. And it is the parents who mold him either into a Jew, Christian, fire worshipper, or Muslim, or kamaqala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then we make the tahniq of the child. That we put something sweet in the mouth of the child that a pious person has sucked. Why? The effect of piety that comes into the child. And then, we will do the necessities, we will do the aqiqah, the shaving of the hair, etc. The sadaqah that we will give on behalf of the child. Imagine the, the different sequence of events when the child is born. The tarbiyah of the child is commenced already. And as the child is growing up, the tarbiyah of the child. How often we see it nowadays, that leave alone children. Leave alone children on observation. If you're a person who's very keen when you observe things, how many of our adults do not know a simple thing like drinking with the right hand and they drink with the left hand? They eat with the left hand. Simple. I'm just mentioning something which is not so mundane, which is something very serious, that we will not want to mess the glass, so we will use the left hand to drink. Nabi never ever ate or drank with the left hand. He never took or gave with the left hand, with the right hand. Something so, so simple as this. But how many adults, their tarbiyah hasn't been made? Bachpan or panchpan ki salah mein koi fark nahi hai. How many people you see that their salah at the age of 55 and at the age of 5 is still the same? At the age of 55 and their salah when they were little children mimicking salah at 5 is still the same. It doesn't change. Tarbiyah wasn't done. Tarbiyah wasn't made. So Muhammad Masihullah rahmatullah alayhi, 
The second thing he mentioned is that teach a child, follow a girl, a trade or a profession. We have understood this, that we send our daughters out to study. We have understood this, that it's, whether it's Sharia compliant or not compliant, we have to empower them in case something happens, in case the husband dies. We have now taken on the role of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet the home is the sanctuary of a woman. It is the university of motherhood. That home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in the Quran, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ And remain firmly in your homes, woman. Remain within your home. Come out of, out of necessity. Just to give you an example of our seniors, we can relate to those people who we knew. Mawlana Umarji rahimahullah, he was trading in his shop for almost about five decades. He was trading in his business in the CBD of Grace Street. In 50 years, his wife, rahmatullahi alayha, only saw his shop for the first time in 50 years one time. And that too by accident. She, he had to go for salah to the Grey Street Masjid, which is opposite his shop, and now somewhere to leave his wife, so he left her inside his shop. That was the first time she saw and the last time she saw his shop. What lives they led, what pure lives those women led, that they gave birth to such children, such noble children. So tarbiyah. So the third thing Muhammad Masihullah Rahmatullah mentioned, that teach your children self-defense. Boy and girl, teach them self-defense. And Hazreti Mawlana Masihullah was so particular about this himself. Mawlana Ahmad Katrada of Rehe, the son of Mawlana Ismail Katrada mentioned to me, he says that when we were growing up in Jalalabad, it's a little village in India, a little village in Uttar Pradesh, Jalalabad, maybe about 30-40,000 people in this village. We were growing up in this village. Mawlana Masihullah ensured that we learn a trade or profession. He said, my father sent my brother and I to become tailors. We're not going to practice our profession, but we, we are qualified tailors. And it's in case you need to resort to your profession. And he says, when it came to self-defense, then my Masiullah ensured that he sends us to learn stick fighting. Obviously, you couldn't use weapons on little children, but stick fighting is called, Haider is called. The Sayyidina Ali radiallahu was very, very famous for stick fighting. And it's an art, it's a form of art. And Mawlana demonstrated to us his skills in stick fighting. He said, Mawlana Masiullah ensured that we graduate from this year. In our context, we will say, how important to teach our children self-defense with, with the use of legal firearms, etc. Our women folk as well, living in a society like ours, how important it is for us to know these different uh, sciences, this, these different aspects of life. So coming back again, <clears throat> our children have so much of time. Do we have a time management plan for them in these holidays? Well, they're just going to grow up like cattle. They're going to be fattened like, like calves or like broiler chickens in a broiler. Or we're going to have a time management plan for them. We're going to teach them some trade. We're going to have a timetable for them. And we're going to uh, teach them skills of life in days gone by. As soon as the school holiday started, you had to go and do a BSc. You had to go and do a BSc. What's a BSc? Behind shop counter. You have to go and work in a shop. And you have to learn trade, the simple aspects of business, buying, selling, marketing, customer care. So children were sent to the shops to go and work. But today we know that we are a very mollycoddled society. We grow our children up in a very mollycoddled circumstances. They do nothing. They can't look at anything. They can't do any manual labor. Compare them to the children of Gaza, that those 2,000 fighters have taken on the superpowers of the world. Ragtag, ragtag, wearing flip-flops, 
fighting a superpower of the world who in 62 days can't subdue them. This is nothing but the nusrat of Allah, the help of Allah. That in 62 days, the superpowers of the world can't yet take over Gaza. They can't walk it. No formal army, no military, no planes, no tanks, nothing. But this is the sign that Allah is giving us. This is the manifestation of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa There had always be a group in my ummah, a small group, ta'ifa, in my ummah they'll be, they'll be upon the haq. If you try to oppose them, man khadalahum, la yadurrum, if you try to oppose them, you won't be able to. Ya Rasulullah, many variations of the hadith, where will these people be? in and around Quds, in and around Jerusalem. They will be there. And today we see this manifestation of Allah's Rahmat, Nusrat in front of our eyes. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to make effort. We have to make effort. We have to speak about it. We have to conscientize ourselves about it. We have to make dua. We have to economically boycott those businesses we can do without. There are some obviously weak necessities of life we can't do without. But those we can do without Starbucks and Chateau Gatu and the K-ways. We can do without those things. What we can't do without, unfortunately, we may have to purchase. But let's start somewhere. That's my contribution to the emancipation of Al-Quds. That's my contribution. Let me make dua. Let me cry before Allah. At a time when nobody is watching me. It's just my Allah and me. When no one is watching me, let me shed my tears and cry for those people. They are, they are my brothers. They are my sisters. They are my children. Those children are my children. So we do not have this mindset. Then Iman hasn't pierced us yet. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله